Amen, amen. I hope that you agree with that song, that God has done great things. Number one, he's been able to bring us together as a church, and I think that's pretty great. As much as it, uh, our lives can just sometimes feel like it's a bit out of control, like there's somebody else sort of controlling us and what we would like to do, and how God just sort of brings together his community 
week in and week out to continue to be faithful in just seeing the hand of God do great things. And I would hope that as you're looking for community here, if you're new with us or have been newer to us, that you're going to see and hear about how God has just been continuing to bless not just our church, but the stories of people's lives in this church. That's the important thing. And so if you're new, we thank you for coming. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. Grateful that you came. If you want to text hi to that number, that'll help us reach out to you. You can also stop off at the little kiosk or the information table right in the lobby. We'll have some people greet you there and maybe get some information so we can follow up with you. Listen, the scriptures say, and if I can just entertain you just for a second over that, the imperative that we have when we are to come together. The writer of Hebrews says this in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And as I've been a Christ follower for many years, I've been so impressed about the hand of God being able to call the people of God together to be able to come and celebrate who the king is. And the king for our church is Jesus. Amen? And then we get the privilege of not only celebrating that reality, hearing the preached word, singing songs about his nature and glory, but then God says, hey, church, I need to send you out into the culture so that you can continue to reflect the glory of God to those who need to hear and respond. So that is our call, and we get to do that at the first of every week, and that's pretty exciting. It's not because we want to just do it as a routine. We get to do it because... We have a great God who has done great things, and so we're thankful for that. Well, while you're standing, why don't you do me a favor? Say hello to a few people right around you. Welcome to Sunset Hills. Glad you're here this morning.
Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father true? Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? Is he worthy, is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy, is he worthy, is he worthy of this? Why?
Lord, the world would tell us to put our trophies high on display, to make as many gains in this world as we possibly can. But God, we know that your economy doesn't look like the world's. Lord, please try to remind us that at the end of time, God, that all those trophies and all those gains, they don't go with us to heaven or they're just temporary. But Lord, right now, let our minds and our hearts affix and be focused on the things that are eternal. Lord, show us things and teach us things that let our hearts and minds line up with your economy, God. Or if there's one here who's never asked you into their heart to be their savior, God, I pray that today can be their day. Or there's maybe one here that, that some time ago they can call the date that they gave their heart and life to you, but somewhere along the ways, Lord, uh, many times we take our own agendas back. So I just pray if there's one here that maybe that God just needs to recommit to you, recommit their hearts, that today could be their day. Lord, let us tune our, our minds and hearts to, to you today. And let's ensure that you get all the glory and the victory from that. We love you, God, and we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. How many folks did you have spending the night here on Friday night? Forty? What? picture we'll see it shortly uh, I'm just wondering how did you survive you're getting too old to do that you know yeah. lots of caffeine good morning church it's good to see you here it's great good job thank you and wondering if I need to speak a little louder to keep everybody awake this morning. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not that group. Maybe it's just the rest of you. I need to kind of keep you awake. Have you ever stopped and thought or had the thought go through your mind, I wonder if my life makes a difference? Have you ever, has that ever crossed your thoughts? I have to say that I have. At times I've wondered, does my life, has my life made a difference at all? I wonder if what I do, not necessarily pastoring, but just the, what I do in life, if it matters. As I get older, I think I'm beginning to maybe have those thoughts a little more often. I decided I would calculate exactly what my age is, give or take some hours and I am now 66 years old five months and 30 days old 
over my lifetime that equates to living 24,289 days. So when I think about that, I wonder how much of those 24,289 days that I made a difference in life, maybe to my family, to someone else. So I would thought, I, I thought I would calculate, try to at any rate, the number of days that I have left to make a difference, not that I have an expiration date in mind of when this life is going to end or anything like that. But I thought a good indication of that might be to look at how long my dad lived on this earth. So I took his date of when he passed away and I, I, I looked at how, many, how old I am compared to how old he was. He, he passed away on September 5th so I, of, of 2003. So I looked at the difference there he lived for 69 years, five months, and seven days. So if I make it to 69 years, five months, and seven days, that would mean that my expiration date, should I die on that day, the same age that he died, that means that I will die July 12, 2027. Now, what that really begins to be like, Staggering to me because that means I only have 1,073 days left. Think about that. It's only two years, 11 months, and eight days. When you stop and think that there are already 34 days have passed in 2024 you get a sense of how quickly time is fleeting. Now, I hope I live longer than my dad did, but you never know. Now that I have thoroughly depressed you, <laughs> and you're sounding very pessimistic, I know you really didn't come to church to think about that. It's like, okay, come on, surely you can do better than that and give us more hope than that. And yes, I can. In fact, I can't, but God can. But here's my point and what I've been talking about up to this point. For me, right? Hopefully you say the same thing. You ask yourself this question. Does my life make a difference? I hope so. I want it to. I, I plan on it making a difference. And with God's help and empowerment, guess what? It will. And the same thing can be said for you, that whatever number of days that we have left, our lives can make a difference. We can make a difference. I truly believe this. We can make a difference until the very last breath that we breathe on this earth. In fact, I believe that our lives can continue to make a difference even after we draw that last breath because of how we lived the life while we were still breathing here. 
I know a lot of folks who are in heaven right now that are making a great impact upon my life. Continue to. So the title of my sermon this morning is Make a Difference because I truly believe each of us can make a difference and I believe that God wants us to make a difference wherever we are, when we do, there's a huge payoff to ourselves and to other people. Now, you may think, well, I don't have as much time left as you do, Steve, if you were to calculate that sort of thing. So what am I going to be able to do that's going to have a huge impact on other people? See, I think we get caught in this trap that, that we have to do something really big with massive impact in order to make a difference. That's not what I'm talking about because, quite honestly, few of us will ever attain that. We just don't have a, a, a huge um, pool of folks that we have a, an incredible amount of influence over. I'm not really addressing that. What I am addressing is how we have an impact on the people that are in our lives now or possibly could be in our lives that we can do something maybe even small maybe some small random act of kindness and you do something and because you took the time to do it it made a big difference in your their lives or your life think of anything like that Maybe someone did something really small, a word, time spent in a very awkward time, a very tender time in your life that God just led to be right there for you at that particular time. And because they recognized that, it made a difference for you. Maybe you didn't even know it. when you made a difference for someone else. As Christ followers, that's what we should do. Be open to making a difference in someone's life in various ways. When we do, we're like the original difference maker, and that's Jesus Christ. You see, making a difference all began with him. He came 2,000 years ago, and what a difference he made. Amen? Amen. Oh, that's pretty weak. Come on, church. Maybe I am preaching to the right sermon this morning. Can't you do better than that? Did Christ make a difference in your life? Amen. Well, that's a little better. I mean, what did he do, actually? He came, and he lived, and he taught, and, t and died. Thank goodness it didn't stop there. He rose again. Because the world was broken, just like that first song we did after the prayer, after our time of greeting. What's the words? It says, do you feel the world is broken? It is. And yet, here's Jesus who stepped into it. It was broken, and it was wrong. And the world wasn't what God had created it to be. 
And Jesus came, and what he was willing to do is give of himself, as the Bible says, and he became a difference maker. And before he left, he established what it is that we get the privilege of sitting in today that that Eric talked about, that we get together and be his church. And you know what we owe him is to do and make a difference in the world because of what he did. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, then you have become a part of his family, his church. And because you are a Christian, because of your following Jesus, your family should be able to see a difference. And your family ought to be better off because of it. And if you're a Christ follower, if you go to school, your school ought to be better off because of what you do. If you're a Christ follower because you, and you go to work, then the work environment ought to be better because of who you are and your willingness to make a difference. Can you do it by yourself? Absolutely not. But you know who we have to go with us? The Holy Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, your neighbors ought to be able to see a difference in you than those that might be neighbors who aren't Christ followers. And in this town of Nolansville, it ought to be glad that this church is located here because we have people who are part of this church family that are out in the community and we're making a difference for Jesus Christ and the town ought to say, hey, we're glad Sunset Hills is here. I want to spend some time this morning looking at a couple of guys who were able to make a difference as examples, if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 1. And we're going to see how at least one of them was pretty weak, but something happened to him. He began to make a difference because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And it reads like this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Just briefly, what is Pentecost? It's a, it's a festival, it's a celebration. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail of it, but it was originally a harvest festival. Go back to uh, Exodus 23, 16. But in time, it turned into a day to commemorate the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And you had Jews that were coming together who were dispersed all over the world, and they, they spoke different languages, but they came together basically to have a party, and, and it was required to come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So you have uh, these folks, and they have become believers. And at this point, it says that they're meeting in one place. Now, just to get an idea of a sense of when this was, it was 40 days after the, the resurrection, about 10 days after the ascension of Jesus into heaven. So they're meeting together. They're not messing around. They're doing what they were told to do by Jesus. And suddenly, as they're all together, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like 
flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled in each of them. What was it? I don't know. I haven't ever seen anything like that. I'm not sure that the writer of this had ever seen anything like that. But he's just trying to describe this incredible moment. It was God who was just doing an unbelievable act in the midst of those who had gathered together. Oh, goodness, what if we had something like that happen in church today? Perhaps the fire, as he's describing, symbolized the fire of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a cleansing and a purity, but he sees something and he hears a sound. They all heard this, and the Bible says in verse 4, four and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a fulfillment of what Jesus describes back in John chapter 14. He says, like, before he goes to be crucified, like, real close to that very time, he he gathers his disciples there. He says, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going to be gone. And before I go, though, something as incredible is going to happen. I'm going to send you a counselor. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to lead you in truth. And the very last thing he said before he ascended, he said, you wait in Jerusalem. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And swoosh, here it is. The fulfillment of what happened, what Jesus described was going to happen. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're used to maybe this a bit from Old Testament days when there was from time to time a feeling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit would empower individuals like Samson. Remember Samson, the strong man? It says that the Spirit of the Lord empowered him. And you would see this from time to time. But then here comes Jesus, and he changes everything. He establishes this new covenant. And now he's saying, you're going to be filled with a, a, a power. And the Holy Spirit is going to come. And we see the church coming together, really being born out of this. And what effect did it have on the people who were baptized with the Holy Spirit in that day? Well, all of a sudden, they had power to overcome sin. They had a new power for ministry. I mean, it's not hard to miss these somewhat weak disciples who cowered just days before because they feared for their lives. They're now, they go from being kind of this timid, normal, ordinary people, and all of a sudden they're able to do incredible things. And some of those are miraculous. And what they're able to do is because of what's happened. And what they have happened really is there's a new boldness that comes into their life to proclaim the gospel. And we see that Peter really becomes empowered. And here's what happens next. We didn't finish that verse as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And 
and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, they were devout Jews from every, from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people from all of Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And here we are, Parthians, Medes, and that word right there, those guys, these Elamites, I got it, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, and uh, Pontus, and Asia, Figure. And Pamphylia, Egypt, and areas of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in their own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. And you know what? When I ask if God's made a difference in your life and you give a weak response, look at how these people, what they did. They were amazed what took place and perplexed and how can this supernatural ability have taken place it's incredible you might be thinking well that was great for them what does that mean for me How can I be like that? God can do anything he wants to do. If it's as simple as taking a bunch of people who are not speaking the same language, well, it's not simple. But having them together and they start understanding in their own language, God can certainly do that. And God can certainly do in our lives something that's incredible as well. He has the ability to do whatever it wants to do. What's happened here is certainly not the norm. But how often did God do things out of the norm? How often did God express himself in some unique way to show that he was at work? And here he is showing in this particular situation the sending of the Holy Spirit can do incredible things. Here's how they tried to explain it because you know what? Man's always got to try to explain something away. The others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, Ah, oh, they're just drunk. That's all. So they were drunk. You know, how often have we tried to explain an amazing and unexplainable act of God away in language and thoughts that we can understand it? You see, the work of God in this time period should be so amazing and so explainable that we're not afraid of it. 
and that we don't have to try to explain it. If we have to explain everything that God is doing and happening here at Sunset Hills, if we have the capacity to do that, or in any church, it's very likely that God's probably not even working in that church or in our church. Let that sink in just a minute. If we have to explain what God is doing, then probably we've become so routine, so accustomed to just showing up, having a song, doing a welcome, three more songs, we've got the song set done, me spending 25 minutes, 35 minutes, 45 minutes in a sermon, and then we go home. And nothing different ever happens. Have we become so accustomed to that that we don't really expect God to show up anymore? The work of God ought to be amazing and unexplainable. In fact, we who are in the church, we ought to be a little weird from the rest of culture. We ought to stand out from what typically happens. We ought to be able to speak into this broken generation, culture that exists. We ought to be able to say, God, I I don't get it. I can't explain what's going on in my life, my relationship with you. All I can say is just you, God. It's just you working in my life. It's just you working in my church. I, I don't need to explain it. I just need to accept it, God, because you're doing an incredible, wonderful thing. Couldn't we ever get to that point? Have you ever been there where you can't explain what God's doing? He's just taking you on a ride. You're just hanging on for their life. And when we're operating as God wants us to operate, there ought to be something a little different about us that the culture cannot understand. It might be at those times when the world seems to be crashing in and you have peace. The world doesn't understand that. And it's not a peace that you've mustered up on your own. It's a peace that passes understanding that the Holy Spirit is brought into your life. And you're able to weather the storm. And what we see here on the day of Pentecost is God sends the Holy Spirit and empowers these people to start doing some really gutsy stuff. One of the dominant themes of the book of Acts is unquestionably the theme of boldness. In fact, when you look at the results, they are so bold. And what made them so bold was not of what they were able to do in and of themselves. It was the work of the Holy Spirit as they allowed the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And because of their boldness, they began to make a difference. Let me show you some amazing things that they did. It's Peter, as we look at him. Guy who was often characterized with Bold intentions, but timid actions. He had many stories about him. One of the most well-known stories of his bold intentions was when he declared boldly before Jesus, all these other guys, all these other people quit on you, I'll be there for you. 
I'll never deny you. I'll boldly stand for you, but before what? You know what happens before the day ends? Almost uh, soon after he makes this bold statement, he's cowering. A little schoolgirl is challenging him. He can't even stand up to her. Yet what happened with Jesus, and I'm so glad this happened, for Peter, because it says a lot about what we can have in this relationship with Christ. Jesus, when all this, after he dies and later rises from, raises from the grave, Peter encounters Jesus, and we read about what happens in John 21. He says, hey, Peter, you're forgiven. It's good. You're on the team. Now let it go. Move past it. And go out there and make a difference. Take care of my people. Feed my sheep. And all of a sudden, something happened with Peter. And this guy who used to not be able to fulfill those things that he proclaimed was able to begin to stand before a huge group of people and preach one of the boldest messages in all of history. He was released from this weak man into... I looked up the, what the Greek word for boldness means. I, I, I think I'm saying this right, parhesia. The word means much more than speaking. This is what happens to, to Peter. Uh, that means that he now has a freedom, an unspokenness, an unreservedness in his speech. He's, he's speaking with assurance, openly and frankly, without concealment. He's speaking with courage and assurance and confidence. It means that he's speaking without fear. He goes from being just put down by this little girl into now standing before this massive crowd and making some bold statements like, you're a corrupt generation. You need to turn from your sins and repent in the name of Jesus and be baptized. And, and, and it was so phenomenal. It was so amazing that 3,000 people got saved that day. And the New Testament church explodes. He's on fire. Once he and John were walking alone, and they see a guy who's been lame for more than 40 years. And this guy, I mean, he's been just unable to do walk for 40 years. And Peter and John walk by him, and he says to him, get up and walk. And he does. And all of a sudden... That action begins to stir up this controversy uh, because everyone around knew this guy. He couldn't walk. And, and so some of the temple guards under the command, the Sanhedrin, the, the religious group ruling of the day, they sent some people out. And guess what they were going to do? Arrest Peter and John for healing this guy. 
When they did, they brought them before and put them in this trial in front of them. And, and here's what they would do. They would actually have all the Sanhedrin kind of stand in their robes and line up in this big circle. And they would put the people that are on trial in the middle of them to intimidate them. And, and they would hurl these questions about them from all directions. And they would decide their fate. And they, they, they were going to beat them up. We're going to imprison you. We're going to, we're going to kill you. So Peter and John, they're in the middle of this, and one person asks, by what name and by what authority do you do these things? And here's the bold response. Then Peter, watch this. Here's his power, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Now watch this boldness. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus the Nazarene. You remember what word I told you that you could pre that what you could say when you don't know what to pray and what it's amazingly what it would do for you. Do you remember what it was? It's the same name. It's the same person that Peter talked about. It says in his name we did this healing. The name of Jesus is able to do incredible things. He doesn't stop there. Watch the boldness here. The man you crucified. Wow. You wonder if that had to sting. But whom God raised from the dead. This is incredibly bold. Hmm. Peter points right back at him. You tried to kill him. You took him to the cross. You thought that'd be the end of him. But get it right. He came back to life. He raised up from the dead. What's interesting to me is that 2,000 years ago, that even today, the name of Jesus is controversial. The name of Jesus. Everybody wants to talk a little bit of spiritual talk. I mean, I, we often hear about some spiritual advisor, you know, Every now and then people in the culture out there will say something about God and or faith. They're almost like taking everything about God and trying to encapsulate it in this one word of faith. Well, they are leaning heavily on their faith. Faith in who? If you want to make a bold difference in your life, it's not just faith that does it. It's who you have faith in. It's Jesus. 
He's the one that's going to make a difference. And Peter was making sure that they understood this. There's just something about that name. There's a song like that. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Master, Savior. What's another word? Jesus. Well, there it is. It's a good thing you knew that. Peter points it right back at him. Yes, look at the response of the council. It says the members of the council, they were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could not see that they, they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. They all recognized them as men who has been had been with Jesus. Let me give you just some practical things here. Just kind of camping out on those verses there. We see in this what God's able to do. He's able to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. An extraordinary is it extraordinary or extraordinary? I'm not sure. I like extraordinary. I know you could say it probably both ways. But I think there's more, ex, more uh, emphasis here on extraordinary. Above and beyond. Much more than my ability to do anything. It becomes extraordinary. Or if you want to be grammar police, extraordinary. Look at it again. The leaders could see that Peter and John were ordinary men, no special training in Scripture. Here's the second thing. When you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, your boldness will amaze others, did here. When we become spiritually bold for the glory of God, your boldness will amaze others. And I think we have fallen in a trap in the church today to thinking that we need to be quiet and we need to be timid and we don't really need to go against the culture that we just need to kind of quietly be Christians and we don't really project why it is that we can overcome the hard times in life or that we can find joy Sometimes we just focus so much on overcoming. Is there not joy in being a Christ follower? That we don't have to always just say, oh, I'm so glad that I got Jesus in my life so that I could overcome all these hard times I have. Oh, my goodness, that we can come together and have a good time in, in church, that we can have a good time in fellowship with other people because we have that relationship. Can we not exp just say, 
Man, I am joyful because of what Jesus has done in my life. But here's what I think happens. I really do believe there are a lot of other people out there that really wish that they had what you and I have. They just don't know it. Maybe it's because we, the church, has not done a great job of showing them who we have. Peter and John were not ashamed. Their boldness amazed others. Why were they amazed? Because really and truly, these, they're in the midst of these people who had, they could kill these guys, and, and Peter and John, they didn't care. And so these people are like, wow, this is crazy. They were amazed. It's almost like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I believe them, but wow, look at what they're doing. Maybe I'm missing something here. So let me ask you a question. When's the last time someone was amazed by your boldness? When's the last time... Let me draw it out a little bit. When was the last time that someone was amazed by your spiritual boldness? Now, I am truly grateful. And what's been exciting to me all these years of being a part of this church, that I can look back, not just in past, but in the present, and I can say there are people who I can see in their lives their spiritual boldness. Little ways and big ways where God has made a difference in their life, and because God has made a difference in their life, they in turn have made a difference in other people's lives. Here's another point. Where do you get that from? If you're thinking, well, I'm not one of those people, and I really want to make a difference spiritually, I want to be bolder than what I am, where does it start? Well, it starts right here. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Jesus Christ. How do you know, get to know Christ? Watch this. You spend time with Him. You cannot become bolder, a bolder witness with Jesus, for Jesus if you don't spend time with Him. But here's what happens when you do. Time with Jesus leads to greater faith. And as your faith in Jesus grows, that leads to boldness. Time with Jesus leads to faith. Faith leads to boldness. And as your boldness grows, it leads to results. Time with Jesus leads to faith. Faith leads to boldness. Boldness leads to results. And when you see spiritual results, you see it because you spent more time with Jesus and because you've had more faith. 
and it begins to change you, and that leads to boldness. This morning in, I believe it's Trace's class, Pastor Eric and Alvin started teaching a class called Three Circles, teaching people how to share their faith. Very simple way to do it. You say, well, I can never do that. Yes, you can. Every person can. Let me go say this. Every person has a responsibility to share your faith. If you're a believer, you have a responsibility in doing that. Well, now you're feeling really uncomfortable, aren't you? It's true. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Okay, well, we're going to be teaching you how to do it. Get a life group, because we're going to do it in all the life groups. You know, very simple. Share your faith. Your testimony. Just share your testimony. What has God done for you? How has Jesus Christ changed you? Has he changed you? Well, it's because you've had time with him. And you get to that point, it just leads to a process to where you begin to see results. Now, I'm preaching to the choir, probably, right? Am I? Really, the question is, before I get to this last question, then I'm going to let you go home, maybe. You don't like that one too much, did you? If you don't spend, you see, this is working in the right direction. But you know what? Just as like this is going in the right direction, there's always the wrong direction. That's an option, right? If you don't spend time with Jesus, then you're not practicing much faith. And if you're not developing your faith, you're not becoming very bold. And if your belief and your faith in Jesus is not practiced, then you're probably not going to see many results. So it works the other way. So the choice comes down to this. Do you want to make a difference in someone's life? Do you want to make a difference? I mean... How many days you have left? I don't know. Only God in heaven knows that. Would I have about 1,073 days or so? If I die when my dad died? It's not much time. I don't need much time to make a difference in one person's life. Do I have to do it through three circles? No. You can do it in how you parent. You can do it in everyday life and your language that you use. You can do it everyday life at work and how you respond to things and what your attitude is like. 
You can even develop boldness to where three circles, no problem. I got it. And I care enough about someone that I know, hey, you know what? They may have less days than I have. And if they don't get saved, they're going to go to hell. Father, I, just, I pray for myself that I, want, that I can make a difference. And those people that are in my world and in my influence, I'll live my life in such devotion and belief and faith in you that there is no question that I'm a Christ follower. I pray that for each one of us, Father. whatever number of days we have left to the day of dying breath and beyond that it be our desire maybe as we wake each morning say what difference for good for Jesus can I make in someone's life today and that would be a theme for February and March and all of 2024 and, and years to come. And, and one day when we get to heaven, that we wouldn't be surprised that someone walked up to us and said, hey, I'm here because you made a difference in my life. And I want to thank you for it. Oh, what joy that would bring. doesn't even compare to the joy that's brought in heaven when a sinner comes to Jesus. I pray that our church, that each of us would help be a testimony for the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Maybe it starts with one that's here today that's never Ask Jesus to come into the heart. Well, that's the first place. And he'll make a difference. Oh, believe me. He'll make a difference. When we ask him and invite him into our heart. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with some folks. You're struggling with being a little bolder in your life. I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If He's leading you to do something here in this moment, be obedient to what He's calling you to do. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray these things with power and boldness. Amen. Please stand.
super excited about Discover Sunset Hills. Several of you that have signed up for that. Um, that's just a brief time immediately after service. We're going to meet in these side rooms right over here um, to your left, to my right. And uh, we're just going to be there for an hour or less. We're going to feed you lunch and just get to know you, give you an opportunity to get to know us and uh, our ministry here just a little bit. So if you haven't been here very long and you just love to, to know a little bit more about who we are, uh, we'd love to share that with you. All of our staff will be there. Uh, today, so we encourage you. If you even if you haven't signed up, but you have the capacity to do that, and that just sounds intriguing to you, um, that we would love to have you. We thank uh, Taylor Foods and Mr. Kent Ford for helping us out with lunch there on that today. Also, want to bring to your attention uh, spiritual gifts. What are they, and how to use them? Kind of goes right along with what we talked about today, just being empowered, and um, that's a study that's going to be happening. You're invited to join the seven-week study, so it's not one of the long, drawn-out ones, and that begins on Wednesday, February the 28th at 6 o'clock. If you have any questions about that, see Pastor Eric. Uh, he may be talking about that here in just a minute, but just want to let you know about that. Uh, the Word of the Lord, this is a new 10-week study that uh, is uh, going to be started by our women. And um, you can see Cheryl Lewis for more information about this one. And then I think we also have another one. 
There we go. Lyrics of Life by Lisa Harper. That one's on Tuesday. So one on Wednesday, one on Tuesday. The Tuesday meets at 7 o'clock. You can see Miss Jennifer Trammell on that one. So a lot of great opportunities coming up. Don't let me uh, forget to remind you that men, although it's not in our bulletin, we are going to be meeting this coming Saturday for breakfast. It's going to be a phenomenal breakfast. Um, and I'm super excited because um, Officer Donnell Chapman, he's going to be our special speaker for Wednesday. He's just going to be sharing a little bit about his life and testimony. Great man of faith. So uh, we encourage you to be a part of that. Student ministry, we're going to be uh, having a Super Bowl watch party a week from today at Bobby and Katie's house. Um, I hope this is not on the live feed because they don't know we're coming. It's a surprise. So, um, here. Uh, thank you. Hey, yesterday I was at Bridgestone Arena. Uh, we're home of the Predators, right? And I haven't seen a Predator game. I'm looking forward to that sometime. But I got to be there for 10 hours as I was at the Salt Next Gen table as a, a representative for this ministry that trains up the young adults, the next generation to be missionally minded people here in America or overseas. And listen, you guys, there were thousands of young adults there. And there were old adults like myself there. And they were praising Jesus for hours upon hours. And it was being called out to them to take the responsibility in this generation to make a difference, like Pastor Steve had just said. And there were thousands of those students that were literally taking their very shoes off to say that the ground in which they want to stand on is holy ground and that it's God's ground. And they want to be able to see that that ground is taken back from the enemy that wants to continue to try to populate darkness in a culture that needs the light of Christ. And so I'm here to testify to you for being there all day and into the evening last night that the Holy Spirit is up to some great things here in Middle Tennessee. And Sunset Church, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that. And so what you heard preached is all the, the underturning of what God is doing and so whether you're going to be a part of a gospel conversation cohort that Alvin and I are doing in classes on Sunday mornings, which we would hope you jump into one, or it's continued through our great studies that you can go in through the week and go see a clipboard and sign up for that, or it's just simply having a burden for lostness and for people who are far away, you make your life matter when you put a deposit of the gospel in somebody's life. And I just wanted to tell you that because I got to do that yesterday to a lady named Michelle. And it was wonderful to just be able to say, I, I planted a seed of the gospel in a lady's life, and I hope that that seed will take root at some point to see that God is good in her life, and great things are expected out of that. So that's all I got. I just wanted to encourage you because I got a chance to be there all day after Kelly and the youth were out going all night and all day having a great time and a lot of fun. I think that there's some better things ahead for our church and I think you guys just need to be hanging on and hanging in there because you're going to see some cool stuff coming along the lines. Okay? Would you guys stand with us, would you please, as we just get a chance to just pray us out of here. Um, again, for those of you who do want to go to Discover, it's for those who are new. I've called several of you. We're going to be in that room. I'll introduce all that stuff over there real quick as we kind of flip it around. If you're here and you're listening for the very first time, you're welcome. Uh, Kent and, and company are going to have a really nice spread of food for us, uh, and then we'll just do a quick hour of that time. Father, I just thank you so much for now that as a church that was gathered here this morning in your name, that now we get to go out these doors into a culture to be scattered in your name.
Lord, that you would take us as people that are uh, the, the sheep of, of your pen, of your hand, that we would be the people that would go into the highways and the byways, the schools and the workplaces with the boldness and the courage and the willingness to be able to testify to the great things of God, to the good things of God, to the truth of who Christ is. So, Lord, just thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for this beautiful Sunday, and thank you for the opportunity to continue to worship you all throughout our week until we would come again in fellowship at the cross next week. We love you, and we ask all this in your name, and your people said, amen, amen. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.